I'm going to rock a little old school. I'm going to break out all of our techno. I'm going to break out all of our technology here. I am. I'm going to make pencil people, stick people. Amen. And uh, it. Uh, Oh, this is my visual this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Did you bring your Bible? Amen. Are you ready, David? Come on, say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Praise the Lord. Amen. So this morning we're going to begin this series on, and I really don't know how long we will spend on it, but we're really going back to and defining what church is supposed to be. And uh, so I'm going to take you back to the beginning, and uh, if I could, uh, I'm going to read a couple statements to you, but I went back and really been praying about this, so then asking the Lord where I should start and how we should do this, and I went back, and I had an amazing pastor, and uh, he was probably one of the best Bible teachers that uh, I've ever listened to. I've heard a lot of great preachers. When it came to really teaching the Bible, I really believe my pastor was really uh, an, an amazing man of God in that respect, and uh, over the years, and I got some of my uh, some of the input and where I got the inspiration to start doing outlines came from him. Because Brotherhood would never preach or teach without an outline. And as he got older, those who have been in our church for very long, when he retired, we would have him come once a week and uh, teach it. He would come and do our midweek services and, uh, for a season. It was awesome to have him come and, and, and teach to us and stuff. But then as he started uh, uh, aging a little bit more, in fact, today, uh, this month is five years since he passed away. And uh, so uh, it, uh, and there's probably... There's, uh, there's 15 of us that were raised up under his ministry that went out and planted churches. And uh, so just an awesome man of God and that. And so I, I, I dug out all of my old notes, and I have a 35-page outline that came from uh, him teaching on uh, God's power revealed through spiritual gifts and what the church is supposed to be. And then I have a collection of things that I've done over the years dealing with the Holy Spirit. But when you look at the church, the church was never just meant to be a place where we come and are sermonized. But we are a living body. The church is a living entity, a spiritual body. It's not a nat- we, we gather in buildings and, and, and we organize and do all that stuff, but we are a living entity. We are the body of Christ, and Jesus is our head. And as a head, he gives direction, and our life is God's spirit in us. Ephesians 2 tells us that when we come together as a church, we create a habitation for God by his spirit. And that's our goal, that in our churches, that we come together and create a habitation. But what happens is, if we don't focus on who the Holy Spirit is, and I like what Pastor said, he says, we have done a great job of unlearning the Holy Spirit. 
And most people really don't know how to have a relationship with God by His Spirit. We talk about the Father, we talk about the Son, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we kind of move into some gray area. And so it's so important that we have clarity and understanding. And so uh, there, there's, a, there's a scripture on your outline, and we'll just begin there, and then I don't know where we'll end up. Praise the Lord. I have a little bit of order here in dealing with this. But, it, uh, and, but what it says is that right there on your outline, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. But watch this. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Somebody say each one. For the profit of all or for the benefit of all. So God gives something by His Spirit to each and every one of us that makes us a benefit or a blessing to others. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, <coughs> excuse me, through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirit, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one. Somebody say each one. Distributing to each one individually as he will. Now that term there, to each one individually as he will, means to each individual as he wills, not just one to each individual. Are you following me? So in the essence of the gifts of the Spirit and thinking about this, this is how God manifests himself, reveals himself, makes himself known, Paul says, by his Spirit. And so when it comes to spiritual gifts, as we get a little further along in the study on this and, and, and understanding, we'll find out the gift that you should believe to have is the one that's needed. God gives you gifts to make you a blessing to somebody else, a benefit, a profit to somebody else, to bring profit or increase or provision into their life by the Spirit. And what you need to believe to provide is what they need, not what you want to operate in. So the gifts are not for you, to your desire, this, I would like to be this, I would like to do that. No, you're there, the gifts flow through you and make you a servant to the needs of others. Amen? And so that's how the body is supposed to function. And there's been so much confusion around this that I just felt, and even more so in this day and this hour, we need to understand that we are a people of the Spirit. And then with all that, as we've been teaching on words, even more so than that, we are a people of God's voice. We are to live by and be directed by the voice of God, hearing God's voice and being comfortable with His voice and walking with His voice leading us. Romans tells us as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. We're going to read a lot of Scripture, and I was almost tempted just to start printing it in the book form. I've already started transcribing this and writing this out, and I have about 10 pages already written out in there, but, and I'm only on like page four of his outline, so i got six more pages added to that in dealing with it, but it's going to be an exciting time. Are you with me this morning? So if you're with me, go to Genesis chapter 2. Let's just begin at the beginning. How many know the beginning is always a good place to begin? Go ahead and say that with me real fast three times. <laughs> Amen. So in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says this, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into, the nost and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So God forms man, 
God, who is spirit, and so we just make him a little floaty thing up here, and God is spirit, but God forms this man out of the dust of the ground, so he has this form here, and then God breathes and blows his breath into man, and now man form is now conformed to the image of God, or God who is spirit, now breathes his spirit into man, and man becomes a living spirit being. He, he's in a vessel, and he has a body, but this body in the beginning, this body also is an eternal body. And then when Adam and Eve rebel, what happens is, is that this life continues, and in this state, man is living in an eternal state with God. If you are, this is what we go back to after the resurrection. Amen? The, the end state, this is how we will be with God. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that we are going to receive a glorified body. This corruption is going to put on incorruption, uh, uh, is going to be this Corruption is going to put on incorruption. This mortal is going to put on what? Immortality. Adam and Eve in the garden were living in that state of immortality with God. Transgression comes, creates the fall. Man now goes back to living. And man is giving, now lives in the parenthetical space of time. This is eternity. But man now, you and I now live in this space of time. But when Jesus comes, he begins declaring things to us that when we believe on him, we no longer live in this, but we have, again, everlasting life. And the way God renews that everlasting life, and if you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, Jesus' uh, evening being about the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his eyes, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Now, everybody look up here just real quick. Jesus say, and this is exactly what he's saying. The same way the Father sent me, the same way I've been commissioned, empowered, and sent to reveal the kingdom of God during my time here, you're now being sent the same way. The same way the Father commissioned me, empowered me, and sent me is the same way I am sending you forth. Now watch what he does. And when he had said this, he what? He what? Breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus now, as our risen Lord, once again breathes back into man. And man once again has his spirit made alive unto God. Are you with me? And we now, now we live. And now, this is where we're supposed to be living out of. We're not supposed to be living by time, or by nature, or by just natural 
tendencies. Okay? We're supposed to be living by the Spirit. And our life is supposed to be from the inside out. Are you with me? But when we get there, in order to do that, you were born into a natural world. You've been raised under natural conditioning, with natural thinking, with natural input coming to you all the time. And so you have all this input coming to your mind. So let me speak to you like this. God never talks to your head. He's looked in there and it scares him. God does not talk to your head, so he talks. God only speaks to your spirit. Are you with me? He only speaks to your spirit. And when you hear the voice of God in your spirit, then you awaken unto God. We hear and faith comes to us, and we receive his word, and the life of God comes to us. By receiving his word into our spirit, we're born again, made alive unto God. And then from our spirit upward... We experience renewing of our mind. Are you with me? So our mind is now renewed. So we walk in this relationship with God by that, by, by, by that happening in our life. Now, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there's something else that is told to us about Him. There are three words used with the Holy Spirit. He is in us, He is with us, and He is upon us. Okay? And so if I were to basically draw it with you this way, so here's this new man, he's here, and so Holy Spirit is with us, he is in us, and then he is upon us, okay? And every one of those ways that he is with us has a distinction to it. He is with you. He is your teacher. He is your comforter. He is your friend. He is the one who leads, guides, and directs us. Amen. Basically, he is our tour guide through life. Okay? You don't know where you're going. You need to let somebody lead you. Amen? And so he's here to lead us in the path of righteousness. Are you with me? Then... He is in us, and the purpose of being in us, and I'm just laying a little foundation, but if you go to Galatians chapter 5, you'll find that he puts in us the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the inward working of the Holy Spirit in your life for regeneration. Okay? His fruit, His nature, it is the nature of God in you, and it produces that. You're there. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We'll just read it. And this is his work in you. Are you having fun yet? It's going to be an exciting time. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Well, let's just put it to you like this. Go back to verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, uh, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Or in other words, in man, in his old state, before God breathed into him, man had a natural fallen nature. And that's what we read about there in Galatians, in the, 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 the lust of the flesh. All those things are in it, but those things are in you. Those are in you. And I believe in replacement theology. 
Not concerning Israel and the church, but concerning your sin nature and the nature of God. God came to replace your old nature with His nature. But we have to come into agreement for that to happen. That God, by His Spirit, takes the old nature out. He cancels the old nature. And He puts His new Spirit in us. And we begin to live by that Spirit. So we allow the Holy Spirit to do the work of regeneration. Amen? You're there in Galatians. Go to your right and you'll end up at the book of Titus. Keep going. How many know you're going to get word immersed? Amen. We're just going to throw a lot of word at you. Hallelujah. So watch this. Verse 4. Well, actually, we go back to uh, verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness but we, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say renew. Renewing. So what happens is that the moment we are saved, Adam was back here. That's a man. He's living in the spirit man. We go through this parenthetical space of time. And then in redemption, we come out in redemption on the other side. And we are now, once again, a spirit being in fellowship with God. And so we are to live in the spirit, to walk in the spirit, to pray in the spirit. Everything about our life is to be connected to God by his spirit. Amen. But if we miss that, then we just go back to doing natural. So if we don't understand who the Holy Spirit is, then we will just have natural church. We'll talk about God. We'll like things about God. We'll agree with everything. But we'll never see His life manifest in our presence. Are you with me? And so the church wasn't just to be a conversation of God. It was to be the expression of God in the earth. And so in churches all over the world today, there's lots of conversation about God, but there's very little manifestation of God in the midst of His people. And when the church comes back to living by the Spirit and allows the manifestation of God to show up, then people will know that they've come into your presence. As it says in 1 Corinthians 14, when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, then people come in and say, surely God is in the middle of you. God is in your midst. And so God has made a way to make himself known to our world and to every generation by the manifestation of his spirit. But that means you and I have to have an appetite to know God by his spirit. And you don't get to know God by his spirit just listening to preachers sermonize about God. Are you doing all right? Amen. So we have to have the desire to go after God. So let me give it to you like this. I like what Pastor said. He said this, For any church to operate today as simply and yet as powerfully as the early church operated, it seems to be an impossibility. You read the book of Acts and say, Man, how are they doing all this? Well, one, think about it today. Think about all the distractions you have. Think about all the things you just have to turn off and put down just to have time with God. Number one, they didn't have any of that stuff. None of the things that are distractions and influencers in your life did they have. So if we're going to be with God, sometimes we have to remove some of those influencers. Amen? But think about it from the church as a whole. When it just comes to church and doing church, they have nothing that we think we need today. 
They had no building, Bible, Sunday schools, boys and girls clubs and programs, songbooks, Bible institutes, stained glass, instruments, bands, publishing houses, professional ministers, lights, cameras, technology, and ad infinitum. They had nothing. We have to have the, can we have this, can we have that? They didn't have indoor plumbing. They didn't have any plumbing. They didn't have AC. They didn't have heat. If it was cold outside, it was cold inside. Are you with me? Well, we have that. They didn't have comfortable chairs. I don't know if they had chairs. Think about all the things that we require to go to church. Think about all the things we look for when we go to church. And none of it has to do with one question. Does God ever show up? The only thing I want to know when I go into a church, does God ever show up? I was joking with some guys the other day. I, I tell that old joke about the old cowboy trucker that brand new moved into a town. He went down to a very nice church, visiting there for the first time, walks in, and the pastor like me, everybody in the church is dressed up, looking religiously sharp. They all have their dignity on. He comes in in his cowboy shirt, brand new Levi jeans, his big belt buckling that, takes his hat off when he comes in, sits on the back row. After service, the pastor greets him there at the service, says, I can tell you're new today. I see you're new here today. We want to just welcome you and greet you. So good to have you with us. Next week, before you come back, would you do me a favor? Yes, pastor, I'd love to do you a favor. He said, would you just do this? Would you pray and ask the Lord what would be proper attire for coming to church? He says, oh, yeah, I'll do that. He shows up next week, walks in the door, takes his cowboy hat, has another nice shirt on, same belt buckle, his good jeans on, and goes through the service. After the service, the pastor comes back up to him and says, hey, Thank you for coming back again. Did you pray? And did the Lord talk to you about what would be proper attire for coming to church? He said, yes, I did. He said, well, what did the Lord say? The Lord said, I don't know. I've never been to that church. (laughs) That was a good joke, amen? All right. So anyway... The question is, is not, is not about all the, all the things that we think that are necessary. The question is, does God ever manifest himself amongst you when you meet? The one thing that we should be hungry for. I remember, and many times in our church going on, maybe some of you have prayed, because every now and then we could get a little squirrely around here, what people would think would be squirrely. When really, we're just letting the Holy Spirit have his way. And so you may be wanting to invite one of your friends to church. And you're thinking, Lord, let it be a nice service this Sunday. <laughs> Lord, j- j- just let them come a couple times before the altar is filled with people laying all over the floor. <laughs> let them come a couple times before we have those prophecies and those things happening. Lord, let, let them just come and find out we're really nice people. <laughs> Amen. But, but what are we saying? We're saying, God, don't, don't, this is what we're saying. God, don't embarrass me today. God, don't embarrass me today by showing up and being alive amongst your people. Are you doing all right? And so what we want is I want God alive. And I've always found this. People may not understand the presence of God and the power of God, but they cannot deny they experience something out of this world. Amen. And so that's what we're after. So when we look at the church, we think, how is it possible that they did this? Because the church walked with and walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. The church was literally birthed on the day of Pentecost. 
Literally birthed on the day of Pentecost. And that's important for us to understand. Because our lack of understanding and clarity of teaching at times and the misuse and excesses that seem to accompany the exercise of spiritual gift has caused us to move away from them and to settle for an experience and a walk that is void of his precious promise and power working in our lives and manifest in our churches and meetings. And, and, and I agree. There are excesses that people get into. Why? Because people get in the flesh in the spirit. Are you with me? People get in the flesh in the spirit, meaning that there's more of them in operation than God in operation. I'll never forget, we were uh, uh, in a meeting one time with Fred Price and uh, down at uh, uh, Calvary Christian Center with Dr. Godot, and at the end of that time, uh, Dr. Price invited for people to come up who wanted to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, this lady came up, and as soon as he started praying for her, she must have gone to a shaken church. Because there, everybody. <laughs> and every now and then, God will move upon people, and they will have, you know. I mean, God manifests himself in amazing ways in people's lives. And so, Dr. Price began to pray for her, and she began doing that. And it was just her, and the, she was just doing what she had seen people doing. It wasn't God. And he just said, hey, 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 what are you doing? I feel like the Holy Spirit's filling me. He says, the Bible says they were all filled and spoke. They weren't all filled and shook. <laughs> Amen. And so we see people and we think, well, and mimicking actions and things that are going on. I'm, I'm, we're going to be real honest through this whole thing. Are you doing all right? And so there are times that God moves upon you, but then you get people who get religious situations. We had a guy, we called him Indian Ray at New Life Assembly. And Indian Ray, you prayed for him like this. If he ever came up for, for, uh, for, 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 for prayer, you stayed way away from him like this. Because every time he, he felt the power of God, he'd go, whoa! <laughs> and if you were too close, <laughs> the only one going down was you. But he'd, he'd jump and bounce and raise his knees up, man, like every time. <laughs> yeah. Amen. All right, let's get into our outline this morning. Are you doing okay? So it's so important. Go with me to John chapter 14. And I think God does this sometime. I think God has a sense of humor. I think God does this sometime. Watch this. He's the Holy, Holy Spirit touch that person. And they just freak out. And he goes, that's awesome. <laughs> I really do. Because you, we don't understand the power of God. And when the power of God hits us, our body responds. But the more familiar you become with God, you begin having a different response with Him. Amen? You'll learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 16 says this, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you. Are you here? That he, so the helpers come to be with you. Even the Spirit of truth in the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him or knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you, and will be what? 
So he's been with you. The Holy Spirit's been with you. But now he's going to be in you. Okay, now go with me to Acts chapter 10. We all know Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 where Jesus said that in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and power. He says, after the Holy Ghost has come, what? Upon you, you shall receive power. So Jesus says, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. And we're going to get into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and erase all the cloud of confusion around that. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit always has to do with the Holy Spirit coming upon you, not in you. You are born again, God breathes. When God, when you accept Christ as your Savior, it is like Jesus breathing again the Spirit of God into you. God breathes His breath of life. So the Holy Spirit comes in you. But the Holy Spirit in you is His personal work of regeneration. The Holy Spirit upon you is the endowment with power to make you an effective member, a functioning member of the body of Christ. God gives you power to function. Are you with me? And so the Holy Spirit is in us to regenerate us. He's with us to guide us, but then he's upon us. Acts chapter, actually Acts chapter 11, Peter is given the account of going to Cornelius' house. He's back and being examined by his, his peers there. And in verse 14, he says, this is what happened. They sent for me, and the Lord said, go send for the man who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Verse 15, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon Upon them, are you with me? Upon them as upon us in the beginning. Or Peter says it like this, the same way he came upon us on the day of Pentecost is the same way he came upon them at that moment. And God signified to Peter that they had been accepted by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, giving them the same Holy Spirit. Listen to what he said. And then I rem- came and fell upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could withstand God? So God, the Holy Spirit comes and he brings confirmation into our lives as well. Are you with me this morning? All right, let's see if we can get a few clicks down in our outline this morning. So I just needed to lay this foundation in getting us there. God's kingdom. God's plan for redemption in the Bible is twofold. If you miss this, you can really miss everything. One, God has a plan for the Jews, his nation. Israel is God's nation. Amen. Amen. And what God is doing in his nation is different than what he's doing to his church. God's covenant to Israel is different to what he's doing with this church. There are elements that we are grafted into. But literally, the Bible says that we are made joint heirs with Abraham. Amen. And we are connected to the faith of Abraham. And we are called to walk by faith and to live by faith right now. Are you listening to me? So the Jews... We're accepted and they walk with God by faith, but they are given an earthly promise of their land. You talk to every Jew, the one thing they're concerned about is their land. They're just fighting. We're right now, there's the rockets going on and everything happens, but everything is about the land. And the one thing they are looking for is an earthly kingdom. They want Christ to come. The reason they didn't accept Jesus is because he didn't set up his earthly kingdom. 
He did not reestablish the throne of David and overthrow the oppressors and give them back the reign over their land. Are you with me? And so they will not accept Messiah until he comes. That's why it says when Jesus comes back at his second coming in Revelation, he will set up his kingdom on the earth and he will reign on the earth and rule the nations with the rod of iron. How many know that that does not apply to us because God does not rule us with the rod of iron. He rules us by grace. Are you doing all right? And so there, there, there are statements and parameters there that we need to get right. And saying that, we need to understand every promise to the Jew in Israel is earthly and connected to their land. They are fighting for their land, and the promise is to all exiles is to return to their land and for Messiah to reign. There's a clear distinction made in Scripture between Israel and the church that gets lost in some of the kingdom teaching, which is not new. There's been confused teaching since the church began. Paul going all the way back to Galatians is a blending of confused teaching. The Judaizers blending legality into grace. Are you with me? So it it just gets twisted in every generation. The church exists, get this, the church exists to show, reveal, and make known the kingdom, not to build it on the earth. There's not one scripture given to the church that tells us to build his kingdom on the earth in a natural way, to rule and to reign the earth, and then to present this great kingdom to him. It just isn't going to happen. It isn't going to happen. We, Jesus said, listen to what Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Every promise to the church, everything spoken to the church is upward. It is heavenly. We are not promised anything earthly. We are here. And we are passing through. And, And God graces us to make us through here. He sustains us here. Are you listening to me? But our hope is heaven. Are you with me? That's to the church. So the church is made up of the lost. They're placed into the church, and they're given a heavenly promise. So we want to focus our attention on the now of our redemption. But hear me. Look inside your outline. It's important to know that both plans are running parallel like train tracks in the purpose of God. God's plan for Israel is one track, and God's plan for the church is another. And if you read scripture right, when we get to the end, those two tracks converge and we end up at one destination. Are you with me? A new heaven and a new earth. Are you with me? Okay. So that leads to his expecting end. Confusion happens when we cross the tracks or think that the two have become one or that one track has replaced the other. And so that's all I'm saying about there's all kinds of teaching around all kinds of things concerning Israel. And once you take the two tracks, Israel and the church, and you converge them together or blend them together, you now muddy up the water of all prophecy. And people end up with all kinds of crazy ideas. So let's talk about looking at the church in the now. The church is God's kingdom in the earth. If the church goes out, the kingdom goes out. Amen. Go with me, you're there in John, go with me to Acts, go back to John chapter 18.
Let me just say it like this. I have a lot of great friends, a lot of great preachers, a lot of great teaching all around kingdom and everything else. But we need to always stay with what the word says. Amen. I'm not smart enough to do all the theological stuff, so I just stay with the Bible. John chapter 18, verse 33. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, Are you speaking this for yourself, for yourself on this, or did others tell you this about me? Pilate answered, Do to my Jew, your nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, get this. Somebody say, Jesus answered. This is what he said. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Now listen, Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says that when you and I are saved, we are translated from God, takes us from out from under the kingdom of darkness and brings us into the kingdom of his son. But this is not a physical kingdom. This is a spiritual kingdom. Are you with me? So now we are, we are spirit people born again, born anew. New creatures made alive with new nature of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And we are citizens in a spiritual kingdom. And we live in Him. And we move in Him and have our being in Him. Amen? But this kingdom is not coming to be established until the com- on the earth until the culmination of all things. Are you doing all right? And so when we get caught up, we can get caught up in all that stuff, and then we miss moving and walking by God in the Spirit. So hear me, the kingdom in the earth is the kingdom of the church is the kingdom in the earth. God's kingdom is a place, though, where he manifests himself, and his rules are in the kingdom directing. Or in other words, God's word, God given us instruction for how to live in his kingdom. Now, let me give it to you like this. Let's go back to church as we know it. Most of what we do in the church has very little to do with the kingdom. Let's go back to what I said. Well, what are you looking for in a church? People, people shop for church like this. This is how they shop for church. This is the church. And this is all of their expectations, desires, and everything that they want the church to be. This is their idea of the church. So they go around and they try on churches to see if they fit. Come here, Tony. So Tony says, I'm looking for a good church. So Tony comes to church. Come on up. He says, let me try this on. Put your arms down by your side. Yeah, see? And Tony says, well, th- this is lacking just a little bit. Feels good. Good color. That's my color. My color. Amen. I can, I can rock with that. But, yeah. all right, so Tony goes, well, you know, that's probably not my church. It just doesn't fit or meet all of my expectations. Amen. Amen. Come here, Georgie. 
So George says, I'm looking for a church. Oh. And this one is awesome. <laughs> but that's really more than I need in a church. <laughs> Amen. And so she'll go try on another church. But very few people ever want to know, does God manifest himself in your midst? They want to know, what programs do you have? What services do you offer? What activities do you do? How good is your music? How handsome is your pastor? We would win on that every time. You know, all the things that mean nothing to does God ever manifest himself? Is the kingdom ever manifest when you gather? Are you doing all right? Amen. So, indeed. this is one of those areas where I talked to you before about putting this together. This is more of a mandate and part of the prophetic mantle that God has given me as your pastor. And you've heard me say this before. I'm not really a pastor. I'm graced to be your pastor. If I flow in my natural gift, I'll flow in the prophetic. Which is why my preaching is so direct. There's other guys that, that, that are just nicer. They're great pastors. You have a prophet for a pastor. In, in, in the area of just declaring the word. Are you listening to me? And so even like that as a pastor, I work really, I have to, I'm, I'll just, I'm being really honest right here. Understanding gifts. Prophets don't need anybody. That's why you would find them alone in the wilderness and they're fine. Are you listening to me? And so I need God's grace working in my life to make me like people. I'm the only pastor you'll ever hear say this stuff. So indeed, but, but I understand my gift. Are you listening to me? But, but I do, I like people and I do that. But at the same point, if everybody, if everybody left and it was just me and God and I just had to keep walking with God, I would still keep walking with God. Because of the gift that he placed on the inside of me. And so what God, the reason I'm saying that is in dealing with this with the Holy Spirit, there has been a, a, a spiritual deficit on clarity of teaching and understanding in the body of Christ. One reason I'm not just putting this together in just a teaching outline for you for here, but we're actually going to publish this and put it out and get it into the hands of God's people. Amen? And so we want to deal with that. So let's keep going just a little bit further. So God gives his kingdom directives and everything happening there for his kingdom. But if we go back to the, to the beginning, in the original kingdom, Adam and Eve violated the directives. They didn't follow, thus saith the Lord. You and I are to live by, thus saith the Lord. This is not a book of suggestions. This is kingdom directive. We're to live by his voice. You don't get to choose. Well, I just don't think that's for today. You don't get that option. How many, how many remember your, your, your parents came to you? This is what you're going to do. I just don't feel like that's a word for my life right now. <laughs> how many know that would not have turned out well? Well, today anything turns out well. We need to teach a whole class on parenting again. 
I'd give my wife, my, my daughter some advice the other day or a few weeks ago over some stuff, and I shared my advice, and then she shared it with her, her bosses at her work, and they said, man, your dad's really old school. I said, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Old school work, guys. Amen. So glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So watch this. Adam and Eve rebelled against the rules, and when they did, they ran and hid from the presence of God. Now, I'm going to have to quit pretty close to here this morning, but watch. They ran and hid from the presence of God. So what happens? We have to ask ourselves, are we rebelling against God's directive for life in the Spirit? Are we hiding under the covering of religion from His voice as they were? Have we accepted religious coverings in place of His presence and His voice in our life? If we're content with church with no manifest presence of God, then we're content with religion. Not with God. And we put on our religion, and our religion justifies us as being right with God. Doing all right? In Exodus 19, chapters 19 and 20, God told the people, I'm going to come down, told Moses, tell the people I'm coming down to talk with them. Tell them to sanctify themselves, get ready. When he did, they ran and hid themselves from his voice. And this is what they said. Moses, you go talk to God and come back and tell us what he said. Let me bring it to today. Churchgoers say this. Preacher, you go get a word from God and then show up on Sunday morning and tell us what he said. I'll live my life my whole, any way I want, all week long, all my ideas, all my own perceptions. And you give me a nice word from God on Sunday morning. When church should be, you've been communing with God and God's been speaking to you and you come into God's house and the minstrel and the worship creates the river of the prophetic and you walk in and you start hearing confirming words coming from the throne of God that are confirming what God has already spoken to you in your walk with Him through the week. Amen? That'll transform things. So we go to them. So we're doing the same when we remove the voice of the Holy Spirit from our lives and from our assemblies. Listen to what people say. Well, we we don't know about that gift stuff. We don't want people prophesying in church. We don't want people giving messages in tongues in church and speaking out in church. So we just want God. We we believe in God, but we want Him to be mute. And so a, a lot of this like this, what happens is, yeah, because when you get over in this area, people are going to miss it with God. People are going to prophesy out of their flesh, out of their emotion, out of everything else. But every now and then, somebody's actually going to be in the Spirit. And God is going to speak to His people. And the way you deal with that is God said it like this. He, he said, let there be prophets in the house and let them judge. And when something's out of order, let them bring it into order. Are you doing okay this morning? All right. So God gave us all the answers, but what happens, we're doing the same today when we remove his voice. We're asking someone else to go and hear from God for us and then come and tell us what he said. In Exodus 19, you can read it there. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the 
for on the third day, for on the third day, the Lord will come down upon the mount in the sight of all the people. Chapter 20. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightnings and the flashes and the sounds of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, don't fear, for God has come to test you, that, you may, that, that, he may, <coughs> that his fear may be before you, so that you won't sin. Now, let me bring it into our modern vernacular. It is this, when God speaks, I get convicted. So don't let any of that conviction in the church, just tell me nice things. Amen. So the people stood at top because that's what it said. So that's what we, we used to tease about our church when our, before we bought our chairs, they were all puckered up and everything in there. And, the, and the, the, it was the, the materials all gathered, and you could actually see where people were sitting. And you could tell every place there was conviction because there was a pucker mark right there. <laughs> Amen. But think about it. <laughs> yeah. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Moses pressed into the presence of God. I want to encourage you as a believer, press into the presence of God. Press into Look, look at what it says in Genesis chapter 3. Here, here's what we heard. And they heard the voice of the Lord. Listen, Genesis 3. After the fall, Adam and Eve, they make the mistake, and, and here they are. But then what do they hear? They hear the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said to him, Where art thou? And he said, Lord, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. When we don't live by God's kingdom directives, we know we don't need a preacher to tell us we have sin in our life. I know. The only thing that happened, I know when I'm dealing with things, it seems like every time I open up my daily devotional, there's a word coming to me and I go, man, that's a great devotional for somebody else. And the Holy Spirit's go, no, dummy, that's for you today. I'm talking to you today. You need to change. You, you need to work on this. You need to deal with it. You need to hear this. And that's what happens. Many times we come to church and we learn to condition ourselves that anything that gets too close is a word for somebody else. We know somebody who should have heard that. I got one more joke I'll tell you to you this morning. Another good one. There was a pastor and he had one old cantankerous board member in his church. And this old guy was just cantankerous. And he'd just take, you know, the opposing side every time with the pastor. And the pastor kept preaching at him, preaching at him. And after every service, this old boy would walk up to him and just shake his hand and go, Pastor, you really got him today. You really got him today. Well, one day, it was amazing, there was a storm and people couldn't get there, but somehow the pastor, the parsonage was right there by the church, the pastor walked over, and the only guy in church was this old board member. <laughs> the pastor's thinking, I got him. <laughs> I got him. I mean, he leveled down on that guy with everything he had. At the end of the service, the old boy walked up to him, shook his hand, said, Pastor, if they'd have been here, you'd have got him. 
And so God moves in our life and we're thinking, God, I know, but, but we, we've gotten comfortable in our coverings instead of having a hunger. Listen, God created man to walk with him and to hear his voice. You were created to be in relationship with God, a living God who has a living voice in your life that you walk with him. But something has to stir up on the inside of us to desire that relationship as the worship team comes back. When a man's heart is not right with God, he hides from his voice. Jesus came to cleanse and to heal our hearts so that we would no longer live in fear and hide from the voice of God in our lives. He came so our fellowship with God could be restored and we could walk with Him in the cool of the day, hearing His voice and not feeling naked and exposed, but covered and clothed in the righteousness of His blood. See, God does this. Remember, the prodigal came back to the father, and the father ran out. And the prodigal had all of his torn and worn garments on from his prodigal living, wasted living. So what does he do? He comes back to the father. The father meets him afar off, runs, and puts a covering on him, covers him, puts the robe upon him covers him it says nobody will see my son as what he was they will only see him as who he is he's my son today I've restored him and I put a ring back on his hand and I've given him back his value and I put shoes on his feet to affirm he's walking once again in the right direction Amen. And shoes were important because in biblical times, slaves didn't have shoes. Sons had shoes. Children had shoes. Amen. And so sonship, God covers us with the blood of his son. And so now you and I can walk with him. He's given us back our identity. He's given us back our value. He's reaffirmed our direction. And now we can walk with him and hear his voice. But the problem is, is that we're still battling this old nature. And it pulls on us. And it seems like we're, it's easy to vacillate, to go back and forth. But it, it takes conscious effort to walk in the Spirit. Listen to what Paul says. Walk in the Spirit. Don't fulfill the love. Say, say no to that. Say yes to God. You and I are in a constant battle of saying no to one and yes to the other. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Anybody excited to go through this lesson with me? Amen. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm just going to, I'll just prophesy to you right now. We're going to transform our church. Amen. Amen. Because God has a desire that every person, every believer, being saved, being born again, isn't just adding religion to your life. Our, our, our call is that we have something the world doesn't have to offer. We have God, a living God. People can have a relationship with their creator. Come on, the search is over. I don't have to look and find and search everything. Come on, I find it. And God gives me, God shows me who I really am. What's amazing for me, I got saved and I found out God really had this plan for my life all along. 
that, that he wanted to use me. And I just want to tell you, God wants to use you. But he uses you by walking in the Spirit with him. Amen. I get over and do my own thing over here and all this stuff. Amen. I better get back with God. It works a lot better with Him than it does just walking on my own. Amen. So bow your heads with me this morning. Maybe you're here today and you just say, you know what? I've been a little uncomfortable with the voice of God in my life. I can identify when I feel the presence of God and the voice of God moving towards me that it makes me uncomfortable. And I get in places where when I feel things pressing me or even people, God sends people across my path and they're, seems like he's using them to challenge me in my relationship with him. And, and automatically I find myself making excuses to justify that I'm really okay when inside I know I need to make some adjustments. I need to say yes more to God than I have been saying. Maybe you're here today and you'd just be honest. I, I mean, that's pretty simple. That's pretty bold. But if you're here today and you find yourself in that area in any way, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and be real honest before God today. That's me. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Now, if you're here today and say, God, I want to know what it means to walk with you by the Spirit. I want you to put both hands up in the air right now. Now, I want you to pray this out loud with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you love me and you forgive me. Your word says, if I confess my sin... You're faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Today, I receive your forgiveness and your cleansing in my life. Now, Holy Spirit, I accept you as the comforter, teacher, and director of my life. I acknowledge you are in me. And I desire to walk in the fullness of your anointing upon my life. Teach me in this season how to be led by you, how to trust you, and how to allow you to flow through my life to bless others. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.